the James Suckling Podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews and more. Hello, bonjour. Right, so we're talking about two things today. We're talking about okay. this. Exactly, I have that here. Louis Just Samon, sure 2008. Sure. Yeah, make sure we got the same memo and that. Exactly, and Clos Saint-Hilaire, 2006. Yeah, so recap. I know you know, but you're tasting so many then, you know. Um, so Louis Salmon is our... Prestige Blanc de Blanc Cuvée. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Louis Salmon since our bicentenary, uh, but it is one of our longest standing prestige cuvée. We did Nicolas Francois and then we did Louis Salmon. So it's just a change of name. Um, and the reason for it is for our bicentenary, we hired an historian to do a lot more research about some of the family history um, or formalize some of it. And it turned out that the brother of Elizabeth Salmon, so the wife of Nicolas Francois, the two, the founding couple, had uh, a very involved uh, role in, uh, in the creation of the house, and he was effectively the first chief winemaker, albeit that title didn't exist. So we thought we had um, two prestige cuvées that had the name of the founders of the house, Nicolas Francois for the Brut Blend, Elizabeth Salmon for the Rosé, and we had a blanc de blanc with no name, so we gave it the name of Ruiz That's for the historical part. Okay. So first generation of, of the house in the beginning of the 19th century. Um, so that's the historical piece. Um, as far as this wine is concerned, this is always blanc de blanc at Bilka is always a love story with Côte de Blanc. So yes, you can get Chardonnay from everywhere, but mm. uh, in Champagne, but at Bilka, um, we certainly for Blanc de Blanc, we only use Grand Cru and we only use Côte de Blanc Grand Cru because you can get Grand Cru Chardonnay from other villages. Um, and, and it's based on, it's the same thing for NV um, Blanc de Blanc. It's based on four villages who are all Grand Cru, all Côte de Blanc. And in this case, the blend for 2008 is 40% Chouilly, which is the nearest village of the Côte de Blanc from Marais. Um, 33% Cramont, which is the next one, um, mm-hmm. 21% Menil Sorogé, who brings more structure, uh, and 7% Abyss. Okay. Gotcha. Um, in terms of vinification method, it's about two-thirds stainless steel tank, just a bit more, and 30 33% vinified in oak barrels. So you know at Bilka, um, we use Burgundian oak barrels, or certainly we, mm. that's one, one we had in 2008, but we use used barrels. So we don't want the wines to be oaky, but the barrels, we feel the barrels, uh, blending the barrel wines, vinified wines, with the stainless steel tanks is an additional layer of complexity we can bring into a blend in addition to the villages and the parcels we select. Mm-hmm. And Louis Salmon is, is only ever produced, is, is from the very best parcels in the very best years. So it's, it's quite an old school definition of prestige champagne. I know people are trying to change it a little bit. Now it's supposed to be just the expression of a year. Fair enough. Uh, but not for us. Um, 
Yes, certainly a 2007 and a 2008 will never resemble one another. However, for us, it, the, 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 the tasting committee only sign off on them if we feel it's, it's at a benchmark which we can uh, defend and are happy to put our family name to it. Um, so, for example, sometimes we don't bottle. Even when we bottle, we don't necessarily release it. So, for example, 2011, we had bottled Louis Salmon and we downgraded it. So, there will never be a Louis Salmon 2011. We thought, it, yeah. it, we thought it would do it, but it, it didn't. Um, so, that's kind of the biggest, um, well, not the guarantee, but certainly if it goes out, we are happy that it's, it, it's at the right standard. Uh, we like our prestige cuvées to have a fair amount of resting post-disgorgement. It's true for the MBs, but even more true for the prestige. So it's been on liquor for one and a half years, roughly. Um, and the dosage was around seven gram. Mm -hmm. uh, all our dosage are decided blind um, by the same testing committee that decides on the blend. For us, it's not just about sugar. I think this whole sugar wine thing is a bit of a mute point. It's about creating balance in the wine and having an, an harmonious wine. When you decide on a blend, um, when you do the vin which is what we've been doing now, albeit we, we're not going to do any prestige in 2021, but um, we, we, the dosage is your last opportunity to recreate that balance because when you have a wine that's been on lease for, in this case, 11 years, things change over that period of time and the autolysis can move the balance of the wine. And, and the dosage is your last opportunity to, to recreate that balance if for some reason you do it. Um, yeah. And uh, for the different vintages of Louis Samon, um, do you keep them on the lease for the same amount of time or do you also do that like tasting as well? Yeah, no, there is no set rule. Um, mm. But you have, I think in history, or certainly in recent history, our prestige very rarely, if at all, get released before 10 years on the lease. Yeah. It's just because we taste them and we don't feel they're ready. I think that good old school rule of 10 years on the lease, um, yeah, I, I think there are a few things you can't cheat with and time is one of them. Uh, you know, terroir, viticulture, vinification and time. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous game. Um, so we, yeah, we don't like to play with that. Um, mm -mm. Ultimately, we, we, you know, our, our non-vintage Blanc de Blanc spends five years on the lease already. Louis Salmon need to give a different expression. Typically, it depends how you like your Grand Cru Chardonnay, but we are looking for a richer, more complex expression of the Côte de Blanc compared to our NV. And time is a significant factor in achieving that, as well as the parcel selection and, and obviously making sure uh, the best parcels are selected in the best years. Um, yeah. If we feel the expression of that 08, I, mean, I don't think we need to talk about how important 08 was in Champagne, but it's a creamy, um, it's a quite a creamy and expression of 08 as compared to others we've tasted. And I think it's the same balance that you will find with the Nicolas Francois 08, which we plan to release next year. Um, some of the early ones have been gone out on the, quite an acidic base, um, which I think for a prestige cuvee, 
you know, build cars, finesse, elegance, and balance. And that's what we try to express. And I think, I mean, I had it uh, two days ago. And, and, and I think it's now blended in quite neatly. Uh, and it's quite harmonious overall. It feels quite settled, which is what we want. Yeah. But it's got this uh, wonderful energy, like very fine bubbles, but very fine, uh, sharp acidity as well. Yeah. I mean, these two, they, they built for the long haul, right? We, yeah. We, we release them at the start of their drinking window, at the more freshness stage. Mm. But obviously, they will go on. Um, Elizabeth Salmon, obviously, being a rosé, depending on what you're seeking, that whole period may vary, but Chardonnays will get richer and Nicolas Francois is the same. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Look, Grand Cru Chardonnay, best parcels in a, in a wonderful year. You have everything going for it. Um, but when, certainly, I remember tasting it when I first arrived in 2017, when there was a lot of OA coming on the market. And it had that signature of OA much more pronounced, which is a much more stark acidity, like cut through, which, I don't know, we, we want to provide a wine which is more accomplished. And, and, and we feel at that stage, it is at that stage, but it will continue to grow and it has everything. It has very strong foundation to continue growing on that. Yeah, I, so I really like this OA because on the nose, it is quite complex and quite rich. Lots of like praline, hazelnuts and dried spices more like more richer but then on the palate it's very i don't want to say linear but it's very focused it's got this beautiful like acid structure and it sort of keeps going in a sort of uh like an arrow style that's the thing while talking to you there i think the the nose expression is a function of the time proper time on lease and time post disgorgement is is a hint of where the math is going to go um but ultimately, if you look at this terroir, Chouilly, Camon, Méni, Lavis, you're on the chalk, particularly with this parcel, you're on the parcels, you're on the chalk straight away. I mean, you just kick, kick the ground a little bit and you will turn white if it's not already white under your feet. Um, so already the, the, the nutrients and the structure of the vines get that minerality and salinity that gives you the, the structure and the linearity that you're describing. So I'm not surprised that... The oak, the oak helps create a bit more balance in structure. I mean, we put a lot less oak in that away than we did in the 07. In the 07, we were at 50%, which was the highest we'd been with recently. And there, okay. I guess the two-third of third is, is a more typical element of balance uh, because you want the microoxidation of, of the oak. Yet you never want the oak, you don't want the wines to be oaky. I mean, what we want is the expression, a Bilkar expression of top Chardonnay. You don't want to feel like Bilkar barrels. That's not the problem. Sorry, this uh, 2008, it was 33% in oak or 50% in oak? 32.5 to be accurate, but I say 2007. And 2007 was 50 50. Right. But 07, we felt needed to gain the elbows, and the elbows came from the wines that were vinified in oak. And if you taste them side by side, you, okay. see, you have the expression of the oak ever so slightly more pronounced in the 07. And the 07, ironically, um, has a great tension and keep, is keeping that great tension. I mean, whilst we do love 08, and we're not the one saying it's not as good as people say it is, it is. But we've always been firm supporters of 07. 
which is a great, greatly forgotten news and it's one we're very proud of as well. Mm-mm. Excellent. So that's coming out. Um, we are, I think I'm launching it on the 27th of, I'm just checking, 27th of April. Oh, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Um, I'm glad I poured it a little bit in advance because when I first yeah. smelt it, it was uh, completely different. Um, yeah, very refined. It's been in the bottle for a long time, you know? It's like when the genie comes out, it kind of needs to stretch his legs. Um, but it's not what we say you need to decant for a long time. You know, it's accomplished, but yeah, opening it a little bit will help create the expression. It's, it's the worst thing that happens sometimes to clients when they say to you, well, the last glass was the best one. Well, it's possibly because you drank too quickly. <laughs> Uh, and often it's because, because people share this bottle understandably with six or seven people so it's one glass and it, in, in 10 minutes the thing is gone yeah no I think it's, uh, it's got incredible structure on the palate um, and I think that's going to keep going for a very long time yeah. well we, we believe so Other, frankly otherwise we wouldn't have released it um, you want to talk about the other one or you've got any more on, on the uh, no, yeah, let's do the Clos Saint-Hilaire. So Clos Saint-Hilaire, this one. So I don't know whether you've seen the, pre- the ones before. So they had a different label. We changed the label. Um, um, so we've gone for a wooden label, which, yeah. we, which we had put in in this one, the Brut Ah, uh, Okay, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the Brut now and the Clos Saint-Hilaire have the same wooden Mm. Um, label reason for it being candid is there was too much similarities between our Nicolas Francois label and Clos Saint-Hilaire label and some people uh, in their Eurocard mistaken or or made the mistake of picking one against the other and that can be a bit of a tricky Uh, mistake to make Uh, (laughs) yeah some Western clients had that mistake and and if you remember the 2003, we only had 1,000 bottles. So some people only had yes. one. So, right. So that's um, not good. So we thought, okay, right. Let's, let's change it. Let's make it really, really different. Um, and, and also it highlights the, the brotherhood between uh, Clos Saint-Hilaire and Brutsuwa and, and in that they are both two, they are the only two cuvées that are vinified under percenting oak. So yeah. at least it's clear. So somebody who loves Brutsubois is likely to love Le Saint-Hilaire and vice versa because it's obviously a more oxidative stuff. Um, Could you give me a, a brief recap about the 2006 vintage? Yeah. Um, so the 2006 vintage is cold, um, cold winter, yeah. a few frosts during spring, and a bit of a funny... Have a funny uh, summer. So it was warm, but there was also been some uh, some rain. But all rescued in September with the good good weather in, in the beginning of September. Okay, so it kind of dried up. In terms of profile of a year, which is possibly your well, in terms sorry, in terms of maturity, it was all fine. I mean, we achieved across the center um, ten point two. So. Uh, we harvested late for the old parcel, second half of September. So all of that was fine. What it turned out to be 
which is possibly more your question, is it's quite a rich year from the beginning. It feels quite solar. And for me, it shares many similarities with 98 in Champagne. As in, they feel immediately pressurable. Um, yet for us, history shows us like the 98, it's not because they feel immediately richer that they, they lose their, um, their acidic tension. So our 98 are tasting great today, but they are very approachable. Um, whether that comes from the, the, the hit and miss summer or more likely the sunny beginning of September, but it feels sunnier, like uh, if you compare it to an O2, which is very sort of lean, um, mm. or even an O8. Uh, so very approachable. Uh, a client pleaser is, is possibly. So people won't need to wait for 5, 10, 15, 20 years to get that more oxidative, richer style. They will open mm. it and you'll get it. You see today, um, compared to our O2 or even our O3, which was a very sunny year, in Champagne, very warm year in France, um, uh, you get that accessibility of O6 um, more readily. On the, the parcel itself, because that's very important here, there's not going to be much to say about vinification. You know the history of Creux Saint-Hilaire or not? Well, it's the, the quite old vines now, right? Yeah, so they planted in... So for centuries, this was the orchard and the garden of the family. Okay, so that's, that, that parcel is completely integrated in the village and in our estate. So it's at the bottom slope of Le Bruguet, which is the hill overlooking Marais. So historically, it has been used as a garden and orchard to feed the family, but also feed the village during tricky times. Epidemics, wars, all the things we're kind of living today that we, we've forgotten about. Um, um, however, in 1964, the family convinces itself in times of peace to take out the garden and the orchard and plant it as vines. And we plant it in 100% Pinot Noir. Um, so the vines are 70, 80, 90. They're over 50 years old. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and they plant it as vines, having identified that there was an exceptional terroir there. For a long time, this was used when the vines had reached their maturity. In the latter part, was used to make red wine. The red wine that was oh, going okay. into... Yeah. So it's only since the 1995 vintage that this has been vinified individually as a, as a close satellite. Before that, it, it entered into various blends and its latter life since, I think, the 1988 something like that, it, it was used to make the red wine for, for Elizabeth Sun. Mm. So first vintage 95, because by, by then, the vines had reached a level of maturity, which, which allowed that concentration to be gained. Already we got the hint from the fact we were making red wine. Well, that's, I mean, that's a whole 30 years since you planted the Pinot Noir vines. Yes, when we started making the red. Mm. Uh, but now, obviously, this is gone. Um, mm. And the pruning method in Clos saint is different. So normally in Champagne for Pinot Noir, you use Cordon Royal. So it's like that shape. Um, but you keep a prolongement. Basically, the younger, the younger uh, part where you get most of the buds and therefore most of the fruit. On, on, on the Clos saint we cut that 
top half. So the, the, basically the foot of the vine get larger and you get most of your, your grapes from the courson. So basically it's a way of, you reduce your yield significantly, but you obtain much more concentration uh, in, in the given grape, right? Um, and it's, it's farmed differently. Basically it's, it's been our R&D department for a long time. So that's where we first use plow horses there. That's where the first permaculture, the organic experiments, all of these started there. And then we roll it out. Um, so it's very convenient for us because it's one hectare. So we're able to do trials uh, from the highs and the low, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's worked differently and it has a unique terroir. Yes, it's chalk, but because it's bottom of the hill, you get a lot of topsoil before you get to the chalk. So typically you have about three meters of topsoil before you get to the chalk. Uh, so it, yeah, it's a unique parcel with unique personality. Uh, it's the only wine we make. And in many ways, it's the simplest wine we make because the parcel is next to the pressing room. The pressing room is next to the shed. So it's vinified 100% in barrels, the Burgundian barrels, the old barrels. Um, on the other side of the street is a bottling line, and then it goes in the cellar. There is no blend of years, no blends of grapes. So it's single grape variety, 100% Pinot Noir, single year, in this case, 2006, single vinification method, 100% uh, barrel, and 100% oh, malo blot. We don't make malolactic fermentation for sprouts Yeah. No so, I mean, it's a single parcel and also all, all the vinification is in that area. It's, it's got its own separate winemaking equipment and everything. Well, the, the winemaking approach is, is the same as we would use for these, right? It, it's, it's, it's the same type of barrels. It's, yes, it's separated, obviously. We don't pre blend. Um, but it's the simplest wine we make in that regard. There is no complexity to it. It's basically you're getting the Prosatilaire parcel in a plate mm -hmm. in a given year. Now, we don't, we're not big believers of every year needs to go. So, for example, 2004, we downgraded. Um, it's not because we bottled it that we will make it. Some years we feel just the juice or the still wine is not good enough. We don't, we don't believe in it. For example, 2021. So it, we have a minimum threshold you need to achieve mm -hmm. for us to sell Percentilaire. And what was the production for 2006? It's one of the largest one we make. It's 6,750 bottles. They all, they maybe not the samples we sent you, but they all numbered and it's written at the back. So 6,750. Uh, yes, I see. Oh, a very low dosage. Two grams. Yeah. Yeah, two, so we've done, sometimes we do zero, but again, we decide blind. So the one at two yeah. grams was the one that we felt um, yeah. worked the best. We are not aficionados of it has to be zero dosage because it sells better. I think that's... I but I mean, I mean, you get, it's, it's beautifully integrated, so harmonious on the palate, so beautifully integrated. And then you get these, like, at the very end, I think we talked about this last time, but... Um, some like slight spicy hints. I guess that's the yeah. Pinot Noir talking, but like it's, I don't usually get this that, in a lot of Blanc de Noir. Yeah, that's the terroir talking. Yeah. Because it's not, that's the reason why the clue became the clue, is it's not very Marais like. 
I mean, we have a lot of old parcels dotted around our village. I mean, this is our village. And the clue always stands out in the sense that the spices, the relative maturity that it gives compared to other Maori parcels, because Maori is beautiful, but can feel a little rustic. And the clue kind of never does. Mm -hmm. um, so it's more harmonious. I guess that's what makes it different. And that's where we felt um, from 95 to, instead of putting it into a blend when you can't really identify that uniqueness, that's why the yeah. clue became the clue. Um, but I think the O6 signature is also its approachability. The O2 and the O3, they were, I mean, they, they are big, 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 big wines. But for I mean, me, this, this, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel super big. Again, it's very complex on the nose, like the, a whole yeah. range of fruits and even some like woody notes and orange zest and spices. Yeah. But on the palate, it's again, very focused and so much energy still. Yeah, they, well, start of, start of drinking windows. I think it's a crowd pleaser as far as the globe mm. goes. Uh, and you get a lot for, you get a lot more immediately than you would get compared to a, cool, a cooler vintage like a 96 or a 2002. Um, mm. So I think it's pretty exciting to, to be able to show a slightly different expression, yet it's the same, it is the same wine. So we're getting there into a more Burgundian approach. It is what it is, whether it's a close Saint-Jacques or whatever. It is what it is. It's isolated, it stands out. It's a bit of counter example of Champagne, this globe, because we are firm believers that on the whole, blending is the way to achieving greatness. Yet there are exceptions to that rule. And the Cruz Antillaire is one of these exceptions. Mm, I like that. It was disgorged in, we didn't talk about that, November 2020. And normally, yeah. for the clue, because sometimes there is virtually no dosage, so the integration process is normally very quick. So we retasted it in March, thinking it was going to be ready and it felt disjointed. We retasted it in July, and still, do you know the, the point we're talking about, about it being harmonious now? Mm. It wasn't that. It sort of felt harsh, and we thought, no, come on. We signed up on a sample that just wasn't that wine. We retasted it in September. <laughs> we said, ah, it's kind of getting there. And then we retasted it in December and we said, all right, that's it. That's, that's what we wanted it to be. That's what it was when we did our dosage drive. It just happened to take a year to integrate itself. Fine. So we started shipping it uh, six months later than we thought. Uh, so we switched things around. We, we're doing 06 this year and we'll do 05 next year. Because oh, the 05, okay. yeah, yeah we, we adapted based on the year, based on everything. And the 06 felt riper, you'll see your, hopefully this time next year we'll taste the 05, mm. assuming it stays at the right course. Um, and the 05 is stricter, stricter, more narrow, but that's, that's again, the characteristic of its years. Um, um, but it's, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's more of a food champagne. It's more of a wine. Uh, oh, it's, I mean, it's seriously structured. It's, it's a very serious yeah. wine. So yeah, I think a long life ahead of it as well. And we signpost it. In a way, that's why also the change of label makes sense because Brut Subois is more of a food wine. Mm. 
And that way it's easier because we understand that, for example, a lover of Arbre Reserve or a lover of Nicolas Francois is not necessarily a lover of Claude Saint-Hilaire. It's quite a distinct style. But because the Brutubois is also quite a distinct, more oxidative style for Bilkar, that way it's kind of signposted a little better and hopefully it avoids mistakes in people's wine cellar let that way. I think that's a good bottle. Um, that's a good life. It needs a proper glass. It needs. It needs. I think so. I mean, I, I've left it. I left it in there now for about almost an hour, forty-five minutes, an hour, and it's it's still it's still taking time to open up. Yeah. Yeah. Most people lay them down for a while, so yeah. I think in this case it's not at, at that level of in our in our range. Whilst, whilst we are prepared for people to open them straight away, and we, we're not in the case of it has to be a prerequisite for you to wait because we know people don't listen to that. We know also that they, they are prepared for holding. So if people open them in five years' time, that's absolutely no problem. Maybe they'll have a better tasting experience.